All right, YouTube and Cine fans out there. Look at this. We're all three here on a couch. And fucking Justin and Heather are acting a fucking fool right now. We get around each other in person for the first time in what? Since 2019? When we did the, the, the Southside Podcast Festival. And these two motherfuckers. I don't even know what the fuck they are doing right now. I'm sorry. It's like I completely forgot how we do things now that we're all like, it's a very different setup. So I was just trying to be like proactively ready, proactively ready to hit it. And it wasn't. So anyway, we sorry, have everybody systems in place. <laughs> <laughs> and these two motherfuckers just go stupid. <laughs> we were, we were overly helpful just now and it didn't work out. Sorry. I've got no excuse. I'm just, <laughs> Just got the goofy giggles. What can I say? I'm just happy to be here in Chi-Town with my Cinema Slayer colleagues. Yes. These two motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to put out a quality podcast, a quality, quality YouTube video. And it and will be. They are acting like rowdy 1990s children, like little <laughs> white kids that have to get put on leashes. Listen, we're good. Uh huh. I, th- I think we're good now. That's fair. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> These two. See, it's the college grads. They just don't know how to fucking act in decent middle American society. Elitists. In in my in nope. our defense, <laughs> it's just, it's it's been a long day. So we're just revving back up. A long but fun day. Yes. So long and fun day. Yes. We're just, I mean, we're just, we're excited. We're energetic. Sterling and we are ready to go. Three, two, one. We have liftoff. <laughs> yes. That. I've had a lot of coffee, guys. So, mm. yeah. We've all had a lot of coffee. Notice how I'm not acting like a damn fool. Anyway. I don't know who the fuck's turn it is. Justin, you're visiting Chicago. I am here. So, no, that's what I'm saying. It's You're playing the game. I a, am B, here. C, D, or E. Give me a... I started to go, give me an A, B, C, D, Eddie, but I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, let's go with, uh, let's go with D. Give me some news. Some random news. Yes. Yeah. Russell Wilson signed a contract extension today. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, one of my favorite players on the Titans on the defensive side of the ball, uh, outside linebacker, uh, Harold Landry, uh, tore his ACL today and will be out for the rest of the season. So, yeah, that really sucks. I'm really sad about that. You know, but it is what it is. You know, I don't know. What the fuck else do you want from me, Justin? <laughs> um, I guess, uh, yeah, that'll work. Um, I'm glad that they're going to pay Russ to cook. 
So hopefully he would do just that. Hopefully we get some Iron Chef Russell Wilson over in Denver. And I mean, honestly, I'm just looking for any positive news because I've got a bad feeling about the Dallas Cowboys, which is my team. And uh, I just have the distinct feeling I'm not going to like how this season turns out. So I'm just looking for any positivity going into the NFL season because I feel like we got worse. Other teams in the division got better. I'm super nervous, people. Super nervous. Yet you're wearing that garbage-ass sweatshirt. I was waiting for that. Hey, I got to rip my team. You don't got to do shit. I got stuff. It's no. in the, it, it, it might as well be in the contract somewhere that I have to do it. What I'm contract? We didn't sign fandom. any fucking the paperwork here. contract of fandom that we all sign when we decide to be football fans of a certain team. That's how it works. So why the fuck did you decide to be a Cowboys fan then? If you If it's a choice, why the fuck did you decide that? You're right. I got to make better decisions. But look, that's where I was born. That's my team, okay? So, yeah, you're going to have to deal with it. You and the rest of the center fans got to deal with it. DC for life. Yeah, we're Super Bowl or bust. Because I have to say that every year. There you go. There's my obligatory. We're going to make it to the Super Bowl. Dallas Cowboy fanatic. So you're going to bust all the time is what you're saying? Uh, every season's a bust. Oh, Did you know the only team since the, uh, I think like 1995 that has less playoff wins than the Dallas Cowboys is the Detroit lions. I don't like facts like those. <laughs> Just saying. Not a fan of those facts. You're the one that picked the letter D Justin. So I just have to throw as much random news in here as possible. And, uh, Yeah. That's on you. Well, maybe next time you should add the letter F for news that I'm not going to like. So that way I can, you know, I can brace myself for it. Okay. So you're saying F for fuck the Dallas Cowboys news? Ah. Oh, no. Yeah, I went there. My beard is causing all kinds of problems with this microphone. Let's see. A little scratchy. It's just, it's clingy. Mm. I'm using Heather's mic. I'm not using my normal mic. And I'm very upset about it right now. I wish I was using my way better mic than Heather's inferior mic. I'm very offended right now. You should be. Oh, gosh. Even though I bought Heather's mic. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. Is there any other random shit you want to talk about before we record this episode? No, I'm good. Why the fuck did you have to say it like that? I'm good. I don't know. I'm happy about Paddington, man. You sound like I'm happy about Paddington and Paddington too. You sound like that creepy uncle that lives in a swamp. (laughs) Did the uncle have any coffee? Because... I think it's the coffee, man. Jeez. Surrounded by 12-year-olds. It was good, man. It was good. You know what actually is good, Justin? Whoa. That theme song. Hit the button, Justin. 
did it. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by these two fuckwits, Heather and Justin. Tonight, we are going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with a an essential off my list, which is Paddington 2, but we will also be talking about Paddington 1. Uh, we will... Like I said, talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with those movies. Uh, we are going to do it a little bit different since they are older movies. We're just going to give our recommendations and scores for both of them. And we're just going to kind of, you know, talk about said movies. So with that being said, Justin, go ahead and hit that little yellow button that is for our recommendations and scores song. Recommendations and scores. All right, Justin, since you're the visiting guest here, what is your recommendation and score for both Paddington and then also Paddington 2? I am going to recommend them both. Um, I, I think that for all the hype that these movies get as being these very well-made, well-produced, well-acted, um, fun-for-the-whole-family type of movies... I think that the that both Paddington One and Paddington Two proved to be that, and then some. Um, I really enjoyed watching both of them, and I think that they are quality films. I think that they do live up to a lot of the hype that people gave them initially. And I missed these two movies when they were in theaters. You know, I'm really just now watching them because of Sterling's recommendation, and. I'm a little upset that I didn't see him in the movie theater. Just, I, I really, I'm just kind of not so much like, oh, if I was in the theater, it would have enhanced the viewing experience, but more like, I wish I would have known then what I know now. Like, it would have been cool to have seen the first one, had that waiting period for part two, and then went into part two and been surprised at how good it was as well. So, um, yeah, these are movies that I think anybody can watch and have a good time with them. They're just so well-written. They're smart. They're funny. I laughed con- constantly with both movies. And I really just had a very enjoyable movie experience. And you can't say that for a lot of movies, and especially a lot of movies that are supposed to be like family movies. Sometimes they're just very unbalanced as far as the content for kids, the content for adults, and just walking that lot, that fine line between making sure it's not too far on either side. These are well-balanced, well-executed films. So, yeah, um, definitely a recommendation of them both for me. Um, we're going to go with, um, for the first one, I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a 93. And the second one I thought was superior to to the first one. So that one's going to get three points higher. It's going to get a 96. So we're going 93 and 96 um, wooden buttons on a blue iconic 
Paddington jacket out of a hundred. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. Um, I I also had not seen these movies till recently on Sterling's recommendation. So um, I had heard good things about him. I just hadn't seen him yet. But I honestly, they're so wholesome and just so entertaining and family friendly. But even beyond that, they're just funny, like solid movies. Great. I think these movies are very very much like the epitome of great storytelling because they have lots of different things they do in the story where they just kind of circle back to things that they talked about in a clever way and in a way that makes sense, which not a lot of movies do that. Um, So yeah, I think it does both of the movies do that really well. Um, And it kind of, I, I, I like that really they format them in the same way with that kind of thing. Like the storytelling perspective and aspect of these is top tier in both. And they kept the same format. And I think that's why it stayed in top tier and actually kind of even got better the second time around, in my opinion. But yeah, I think they're both really great, wholesome, feel good, warm films. Um, Yeah, I just, I honestly, I liked them more than I expected to. Like I figured they were going to be cute, fun little films, but genuinely enjoyed these films and would absolutely watch them again. So yeah, I definitely recommend them. I'm going to, I'm similar. I'm similar to Jason in my scores. Um, I'm going to say the first one I would give 90, you know, marmalade sandwiches in your hat out of a hundred. <laughs> and um, the second one, I'm going to give 93 marmalade sandwiches out of your hat. I, of course, recommend this movie because, you know, I'm the one that recommended it to these two degenerates who just simply refused to watch quality family programming. And I've been on the at least the Paddington 2 bandwagon since it came out in theaters. I think technically the movie came out in 2017 in theaters. And. Yeah, I I saw it in theaters because, you know. It had 100% of Rotten Tomatoes with over, you know, like 100 people reviewing it. It was certified fresh at 100. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is this about? How is this fucking movie? The movie that got 100. Never saw the first one. Never saw any of that shit. Just went and watched Paddington 2 and loved it. I mean, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. And then went back and watched Paddington 1. You know, so I did it kind of in a backwards order, but I think I did it in the right order for me. And I've been on the everyone needs to see Paddington 2 bandwagon for a long time. Not to give anything against the first Paddington. I think it's a it's a really good movie, too. It's just Paddington 2 is just that next level that sequels rarely ever get to. And the fact that this one did, I thought was even better. And plus, like I said, I just randomly saw it and I was able to follow it along very easily because it's just such a well-made movie. So I do recommend both. I've been recommending both for a long time. Plus, like I've said before, or like we said earlier, I guess this is on my essentials list. So it's a must watch film. Didn't you say it was like your, um, 
one of your top movies of whatever year it came out. I think you said, Oh yeah. Yeah. I still think it's one of my, my top movies of this year. Having watched it. <laughs> yes. It's still my top list of this year of movies I've seen this year. Paddington two is now back <laughs> on that list. Cause I watched it today. Uh, Yes, I do highly recommend both of them. I'll give the first one. Let's give it 92. Nicole Kidman's wanting to kill child animals out of 100. Oh, she was great. And then I will give the second one. I'll give it because I'm the only one that does this. I'm going to give it 100. Hugh Grant's is a better villain than Nicole Kidman because Hugh Grant is better, funnier, and sexier than Nicole Kidman. No way. Because fuck Justin for just loving Nicole Kidman, even when she wants to kill baby animals <laughs> out of 100. It was an adorable evil. No, it wasn't, Justin. It was terrible and evil and wrong. Oh, there's no winning with you. At least you get like a dance number. From Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah, we get a song and dance number out of him. How many songs and dance numbers did we get out of the animal murderer, Justin? She did enough of that in Moulin Rouge. Okay. I don't give a fuck. She did enough of that. What you're saying is she couldn't hack it anymore? Is that what you're saying, Justin? <laughs> Just saying. Mm-mm. All right, Justin. Go ahead and hit that green button for spoilers. Spoilers. And we are doing that because, like I said, we're just going to talk about these movies now. And there will be spoilers. The newest of these movies is like five years old. So just accept it. Just do it. And if you haven't seen them, just go do yourself a favor. Go watch these movies and come back to this episode. So first and foremost, who wants to go first about what they... They thought about this since I had to force you guys to do the right thing and watch this movie. Me again. Yeah. You're the guest oh. of honor this week. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> um, I guess when it comes to spoilers for Paddington two or both, I mean, that's, or the, I can go both. Okay. Yeah. I can both movies. With, okay. Just um, talk. About I'll do, okay, I'll just do, I'll try to do one and transition into two, but who knows? Let's just see where the road takes us. Um, but I guess to start with the first one, I mean, I'm not going to give a, it's not like I have a history with this character, but I'm familiar with the character. Growing up, Paddington was kind of the toy that I never got to own as a kid. Like I was kind of telling you guys before we got on, it was the Paddington Bear toy. And then there was the Teddy Ruxpin toy, the 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 talking Teddy Ruxpin where you could put a tape recorder in him and his mouth would move and he would talk. Never had those toys. So they always kind of stuck out in my mind because like I always wanted them and never had them. So we're like when this Paddington movie came out, I was like, oh, Paddington, look, you know, the moment I saw him in the previews, there was just that nostalgia. You know, I, I was suddenly just kid me was like, hey, look, it's that, you know, it's Paddington Bear. Look, he's going to be in a movie. And that and so that part of myself 
I guess, sort of excited me about the fact that he was coming back and there were going to be movies about him. But, um, you know, just for whatever reason, I miss these movies. I just never saw these movies. So actually now sitting down and getting a chance to watch them, definitely a lot of those kind of fond memories I have of seeing the character on TV and seeing people talk about his books and everything like that. A lot of that did come back. And I, and I can say, I mean, I can't speak from as somebody who's read the books, but definitely the spirit of this character, all the impressions I remember getting as a kid were present in these movies. Paddington is warm. Paddington cares about people Paddington is is a is the kind of character that is his 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 passion and his love for people and his family and and things that he cares about is infectious and that and that was sort of the impression I got from growing up from the character and I definitely think that they nailed that in these movies it's not just a story about him as a character, but it's also about how he impacts people around him with his heart. And that's the thing about these movies. They just have so much heart in them. And uh, uh, there are a lot of scenes that they do effectively with Paddington also where he's, especially in the first film where he's kind of this fish out of water. So he's really, you know, he's lived in the wilderness all his life. So now he's coming into this situation where this family sort of is trying to help him find, locate um, the explorer who he met years ago um, as a, as a, a much smaller baby cub. So with all of this, um, there are all these situations where he's trying to understand how to use different utensils in the house, like a shower head and different things like that. He doesn't know what to do with toothbrushes. So he's scrubbing his ears and nose with toothbrushes. Like there are just these funny situations where he sort of kind of stumbles and bumbles attempting to try to live life like a normal human and do these and kind of adapt to these societal norms and every single one of those situations is is very entertaining and it's very funny and it's very reminiscent of just cartoons from that era from like the the from like the 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 70s and the 80s just cartoons that i can remember where you know you essentially have um a, a character like slip on a bar of soap but they slip all across all the way across the room and then they Get the bump into the tub and go head first into the tub. You know, like a lot of this kind of slapstick stuff, I'm just fond of from like the stuff that I used to watch back then as a kid. And a lot of that stuff is reminiscent here. I remember one scene in Paddington 2 where he wraps himself up with tape and he's trying to uh, fix something with some tape. He winds up wrapping himself in it. And then all these shenanigans just sort of happen. And before you know it, he destroys an entire room because, and all, and even though his intentions were good, it's just a catastrophic situation because Paddington doesn't know what he's doing. And, and you may think, oh, well, how many, you know, there's a million cartoons and 
things, animated things where we've seen that type of thing. But there's just something about it with Paddington, right? Like there was just something about those scenes that you, you that that still felt genuine and had a lot of heart because you know that Pat what Paddington's intentions are. And there was just such a believability in that that even I found myself just smiling, and even if I didn't laugh out loud hysterically. I found myself smiling at those scenes and just, it's just kind of reminiscent of the time when Paddington was first introduced. Those were the kinds of cartoons we would see. That was the kind of presentation. So it was definitely present in this. I think that that's, that was for the storytelling, amazing attention to detail. And to me, that was kind of some of the parts that were for the adults. You know, the kids are going to laugh at Paddington slipping and falling around this bathroom but I think as an adult, you think about that era of cartoons and things like that. And some of that stuff is not present in today's cartoons. So it's kind of fun. It just took me back. You know, it was like some of these scenes, I was a kid again. And that sort of added to my enjoyment of seeing those scenes. Um Man, there's there's so many things to talk about with it. But um, another thing that I just really enjoyed about this was just a lot of the dialogue with a lot of the family members in this. I thought that th- this both films do such a great job of developing these characters like Heather talked about. They set things up with certain character or they say, OK, this is a struggle that the character has or this is something that the character is trying to do. And then we just had brilliant ways of paying off these little breadcrumbs, if you will, these little things that the movie sets up. And it has a way to get back to those things and give you a payoff that always felt satisfying to me. Like, never did these payoffs feel like something where you're being force-fed something or something where it, 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 it it's like, hey, look, audience, we paid back this thing. Aren't you excited about that? You know, some movies, it feels like an insult to your intelligence. I think that's the best way to say it. But this, it never felt like that. It felt so genuine and just so um, effective in how they were telling the story. And in the first movie, they did it a little bit. Like, they did it with a few things. But the second movie was almost like a mastery of it. Like, like they they set up, they were like, okay, well, we you thought that the first movie set up these few things and paid them off. Well, the second movie, damn near everything is going to have a setup and a payoff. Even just things that characters say, um, uh, they're going to come back and say them again later in the movie and it's going to be a big payoff and you're going to enjoy everything that you're seeing. So if the first movie is kind of like, a, okay, we're testing the waters here. We're seeing, um, we're, we're showing you, we're just giving you an effective introduction and an effective story with the Paddington character. The second movie felt like the training wheels were off and now we know what we're doing. We're confident in what we're doing. And now we're really going to take the story elements that you loved about the first one and give you even bigger payoffs, even better moments, and even more sentimentality than the first one had. So I think that that's why this is one of those sequels that ultimately works because 
the things that were effective in the first movie that you thought, okay, man, these things, these things were effective, man, they, they really doubled down on them in Paddington too. And they're even more effective in that film. And it never feels like it's just a repeat of the first film. You know, sometimes you're watching a sequel and it's abundantly clear that this is just the first movie, except we, we, we're just in a different place or we're just doing a whole, we're just adding a whole bunch of things to it to make it feel like something different. But really, we're just watching the same movie over and over again. No, this doesn't feel like that at all. Paddington's journey is, is a lot different in this than the first movie. The, the, the journey of the family is a lot different. There are arcs for each family member and they all sort of come around. You feel like every character sort of evolves from the first movie. So yeah. Um, And I have more to say. I'll try to chime in as you guys go. I don't want to like hold the floor too long, but yeah, just very, very effective storytelling. Just taking those old school techniques, develop your characters, have a story that is compelling and just tell that story with as much confidence and as much attention to detail as you can and you will succeed. And that is ultimately why these two movies succeed in my opinion. Yeah. It's almost like they, they knew what worked in the first one. And so they just took that and ran with it further in the second one. It's like they, they knew the things that worked. And so they honed in on it in the second one. So I agree with that. No, I think, um, I don't know. I, and I remember even when we were watching this and Jason, you were talking about like, I wonder what they're going to do with the second movie because the first one, you know, it's about him trying to figure out what it is to be in this new world that he's in and everything. Like, so it was like, what's the story even going to be about in the second one? And somehow they made the second one have an even more heartwarming story than the first one, which is crazy because the first one is so it's such a sweet story about feeling, you know, accepted and having a home and all of these things. And it's so well done, you know, and I just I love how Paddington just also is very he's very matter of fact in how he talks about everything when he's, you know, writing the letters to his aunt about his experiences and the people that he's around. And I just, I love how matter of fact he is about like, just like, Oh, well this uh, family, I think I'm probably going to have to leave soon, but this family's good. Like he still just seems to be, be very like optimistic, even in spite of what's going on around him. And it's also to the, the same thing of like, he just, he falls into these situations. Like <laughs> it's like, and I think something that I, it kind of reminded me of is the Amelia Bedelia books <laughs> where you just feel like it's like that when, you know, even when he's like on the escalator and it's like, um, you know, saying like, please uh, stay to the right or whatever it said. And then he started standing on one foot and things like that. Um, on that, it says it says uh, stand to the right. Stand to the so, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he stands on his right foot and then. Um, or it says stand on the right is what it says. And then one, it's one of the signs says must carry dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he goes and just finds a dog 
it starts carrying it because you must carry dogs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, and that's so it's clever and it's funny because you just know, like he, he has the best of intentions with everything he's doing. Right. He's just trying to be like, all right, I'm just following the rules and whatever. And he just falls into these ridiculous circumstances, but I mean, not really through fault of his own, but in a way you're just like his naivety is so like wholesome with it that, you know, you don't feel like you feel like it's not it's earned. It feels like, okay, I'm I'm on your side and I understand why this like why we should be upset for you, even though you're very naive about things, you know. Um, And I just I think that was such a fun like aspect of Paddington is his naivety and his like just trying to do you know what you're supposed to do in the normal world but just having no idea what that actually means like the bathroom scene when he's like not even he doesn't even know how anything works and like nothing was really explained either you know he's like they're just like oh yeah you know freshen up you know use the facilities and he's like oh yeah okay sure like zero idea what that actually means, but you know, and the, it just caused this whole disaster to happen and it was funny, but um, no, I mean, it's just those like very wholesome, innocent little aspects of it that just kind of make it amusing to watch whether you're an adult or a kid. Right. So they, and then again, they still do that even further in the second movie when it's an even, I guess, Stakes are higher even <laughs> because of the the situation Paddington's in where he's, you know, going off to jail. Like, you're just like, how is he going to survive this? What is he going to do? And like, even when he's talking to in the second one, when he's talking to the cook, um, to the chef that's making the food. And he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, I love it when people complain. And he's like, really? All right. Well, you know, and then he just goes on about complaining about it and just completely not understanding like the tone <laughs> and I just, I loved it. I, th- I think that was really well done, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you just see the nature of, of Paddington and how Paddington really brings out the best in everybody else. And you even see how everybody's life is a little bit more dreary when he's not around. And it's, it's so cute to see that. And it, it's like, it's almost like you don't even realize the effect that he's having on the people until he's taken away from them. And then you realize like how different their lives are without his presence in it. And I think that's a really cool um, message of like how, you know, people's warmth and their, you know, kindness and their light can kind of really affect everybody else around them. And that's exactly what Paddington was, you know, and it just, um, he's, it's just such a feel good set of movies that really only gets better. Like I can without a doubt say that I think the second movie is better than the first and they're both so good. Like, it's not even like, Oh, this one was terrible. This one's improved. Like they're both so good, but I just, I love the story of the second one. And maybe it is the whole fact of, you already know these characters and you know who Paddington is and you know who his family is. So now it's really just kind of, you know, fleshing that out a little bit more. And maybe that's why, but also just the whole, almost the story of like social injustice in a way is really what it felt like. And I think they really um, kind of had a very profound message of about, 
you know, like don't make assumptions about people that you think are different than you. And, and I loved that they did that. Um, but yeah. And I think like, I loved, I just, I love that anybody who has an interaction with Paddington, it's a little bit different for everybody, but it's still the same result of like, you know, you're, you're just a friend for life with him. <laughs> like all of the, the, the prisoners and all the people in jail with him are very much like, we got your back. And they like loved him and they were supporting him and they were rooting for him at the end. And it's like, you can't help but root for Paddington no matter what's going on with him. So it's really, it's really fun. Um, you know, and I also just really loved the, the whole scene when he's like cooking with all the other people in the jail and like teaching and learning and sharing recipes. I was like, this is the cutest thing ever. Like who thinks of this? But anyway, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's very wholesome and feel good. Like you actually, you feel warmed after you've seen these movies. So I, I just think they're great. One of, one of my favorite things about this movie is the fact that, or this franchise, I should say, is the fact that a lot of movies trap themselves in the sequels by having the characters learn the same lessons in the sequels. And this franchise didn't. I like the fact that nobody's learning the same lessons in the second movie as we did in the first one. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already learned those lessons. Everybody already did that. I hate it whenever like characters go through a story. Like the main character would be the dad that did the most growing and changing in a lot of ways. And in the first movie, he would typically, you know, sit there and he would be, you know, like, oh, safety first. Oh, the bear can't be here, blah, blah, blah. And then in the second movie, typically most like lesser films would have it be the same thing. You know, something happens. Oh, the bear can't be here anymore. Oh, see, the bear went to jail. You know, the bear's dangerous. We don't, you know, need to go and save him now or whatever. You know, he's obviously done something wrong. Yeah. This movie didn't do that. And I love the fact that it, they went, no, we've already learned these lessons. The characters are already now at point B. They now need to go to point C. That's true. They yeah. don't need to go A to B again. We've already been there, done that. Why are we going to rehash that? And I love the fact that this movie didn't. I loved how this movie went from he was a fish out of water and then showed what it's like whenever you then take that fish out of the new pond. You know, when you take him away from those people, you get to see how negatively it impacts their lives. Whereas the first movie is, you know, new experiences and new places, maybe positively and negatively affecting him. Instead, you get to see the change that he brings out more in the second movie. And I thought that that was an incredibly smart way of doing it. I thought that was an incredibly fresh way of doing it. And I mean, and like Heather brought up that like Justin's, he's sitting there watching it. We're watching the first movie and he goes, man, what are they going to do in the second movie? Whenever they're doing the whole fish out of water thing in this movie. And I love the fact that they don't retouch on that mm-hmm. outside of like him. He does have a fish out of water situation, but it's, it's him in jail. Like, so that's the, the great thing with that is like, it's a random thing out of nowhere. All of a sudden Paddington's in jail, you know, <laughs> Like, and it's, it's so jarring. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so funny too, because this movie's going and it's bright and it's flashy. And all of a sudden Paddington's in jail. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this movie took a dark turn. Jason was exactly like that. He was like, uh, okay. <laughs> He's in jail now. <laughs> what? 
I was like, man, I didn't know we, this is where we were going to go. Yeah. And the thing is about this movie too, is he goes to jail and the movie does get more somber at that point, but in true Paddington fashion, he Paddingtonizes jail. Yeah. Like dyes exactly. everybody's uniform pink on accident, you know, <laughs> befriends yeah. the one grumpiest fucking guy in the whole jail mm-hmm. on accident. Like, you know, makes everybody happy on accident, makes everybody's lives better in jail on accident gets the warden to read everybody bedtime stories over the loudspeaker. <laughs> that was great. Cause yeah. everybody just loves him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and they didn't do so. And like, the thing is, is in most movies, it feels cheesy or anything like that. But at every point in these movies, you, you understand every character that just becomes fond of Paddington. Cause you're like, well, of course I'm fond of Paddington. Paddington's the best. It's the most, uh, you know, makes sense thing ever. Like my only issue with the second movie, I know I gave it a hundred, but I do have one small issue with it. And that's if I was in jail, I wouldn't be happy if somebody fed me a marmalade sandwich. I don't, I don't like marmalade. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of orange flavored substances. I mean, I can eat an orange. Don't get me wrong. It's fine. But I never go, "Mm, I need something that is orange flavored. Right. You know, if you're making a marmalade or a jam or a jelly of some sort, I'm much more of a fan of berries in those instances. You know, a yeah, strawberry or a blackberry. Mm, I love me a good blackberry jam. And also, while we're talking about blackberry jam, even though it's just me, can we go back to having <laughs> seeded blackberry jam? Blackberries have seeds. It's one of my night, that's one of the texture things I like about blackberries. <laughs> But all blackberry jam is seedless. My The best blackberry jam I've ever had was some homemade blackberry jam, just full of fucking seeds, just mm. full of all the blackberry seeds. And it was so good. I loved it. I liked the weird crunchiest texture you got in the jam from the seeds. It was delightful. Can we just go back to that, people? It's It's what they are. Nobody eats blackberries going, God, I love this fruit, but man, <laughs> these seeds just, ugh, right. I won't eat it anymore. No, if you love blackberries, you'll eat the fucking seeds. Yep. I'm just saying. But yeah, give me a good raspberry jam or a, ra- a, or a blackberry jam or a strawberry jam or even better, a mixed berry jam. Yes. Yeah, that's where I tend to sit with jams. I don't know. Every <laughs> once in a while, maybe a good apple butter. I think that technically falls in that category too. Do like a good apple butter, but I digress. I'm just saying marmalade marmalade wouldn't win me over. I'm not saying that Paddington wouldn't. If I was in jail, Paddington would still win me over. Right. I'd still be on the pro Paddington side of jail. I'm just saying I wouldn't necessarily want and or need marmalade to do so. Right. But no, everybody in that jail was just like, mm, marmalade. <laughs> Let's stop being jail criminals and just be good people Yeah, because of marmalade. If it was only that easy to eat bare marmalade to be fixed of your criminal elements. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, but it's it also, it just, it goes to the story though. He's just this bumbling, naive innocent child that you just constantly root for yeah no matter the situation because you also know he's never malicious with anything he's never malicious 
He's never mean. If something happens, it really is him bumbling through something. And I also love that he's always telling the truth. And I love the fact that that is a story element when they're like, but he won't even tell us the truth. And it really is. He's just telling the truth because he doesn't yeah. know another way to be. Right. He doesn't see the point in lying because yeah. you just tell the truth. Yeah. I love yeah. that. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's really good. And I just really love the fact that, you know, they keep that as a big story element in these movies. And, you know, one of the things too, with all this is like, I love the, just the entire growth of all the characters throughout the two movies. Cause it really is a good stage one stage two growth, like progression character arc stories with these characters. And like with all that, I love how they, and, and Jasmine brought this up earlier, the way they do the callbacks with it, you know, they do these just small little things, these little throwaway lines, you know, yep. Mrs. Brown has been training to swim to France, you know, uh, Mr. Brown used to be great at throwing coconuts or whatever the fuck that was or throwing <laughs> rocks at coconuts or some shit. His nickname was bullseye, right. you know, all this shit. And it's just, you know, the J dog doesn't like steam trains cause they're not cool. You know, that type of shit. And then you get to the end of the movie and what happens? Don't call me J dog because I love steam trains. Mm -hmm. You know, Mr. Brown, who's like, I'm not bullseye anymore fucking throws a bullseye yeah yeah and my favorite one though is 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 the miss brown one been training to swim all this other stuff just dives off a bridge into the water and goes to swim to save paddington yeah that one they don't even say a damn thing mm -hmm. about it and she just does it and it's just this understood yeah this sweet little callback and then i love in the after credit sequence like how they just kind of threw some of those things out there in it you know, like one of the things they said was, you know, Mrs. Brown, like it's a newspaper clip and it's all Mrs. Brown swims the English Channel and then swims back because she forgot her passport. So she swam it twice. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like a little thing like that. And it's just a nice little joke that carries on throughout the whole movie that you don't even necessarily know it, it's going to or even need it to. But it's nice that this movie cares so much about these attentions to detail that they do it. You know, if if they never addressed Mrs. Brown wanting to swim the English Channel for the rest of Paddington 2, you're not going to go, man, that's a plot hole they missed right. there. It's because, you know, it really is kind of a throwaway line. Just, you know, just giving some background to the, the character gap between movies. But instead, they bring it back in a very smart subtle way i mean i say it's subtle she dives and swims into a river but i'm just saying like they don't draw attention you know because like both of you said it's it's lesser movies do point an example the movie we did last week beast where at the end of the movie they go dad you did exactly what they said you did the thing where you took the lion to the other pride and they killed it you know like they said earlier in the movie <laughs> i'm so glad you did that dad and you're like explaining everything yeah you're like yeah i'm so glad you just said the words for the last five minutes of the movie right like yeah we all saw it happen we knew yeah, yeah. We it's, it's it's not even like they did the thing like some movies they'll say it during no 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 that whole thing happened they wait two minutes and then go dad you did that thing five oh, yeah. minutes ago and you're like okay thank you movie <laughs> like that wasn't the like climax I'm of insulted. the movie 
And like, that's the other thing about it. It's the climax of the fucking film. It's the final <laughs> showdown with the lion. And they go, just in case you missed it, these lions attack this other lion. Like they right. said at the beginning of the movie, they don't do that a single fucking time in this movie. This is a family movie. That means they want kids to watch this. They, the, the kids are going to be a core uh, part of its demographic and they do this movie so well, they don't even feel the need to do that. And the other movie was rated R, you know, for adults. And you really, it, honestly, you don't miss a single one of the callbacks. Like each one of them is completely obvious. And like throughout it, I just here and there, how we were all differently like, oh yeah, that's the thing they just talked about. And like earlier in the movie, like nothing was missed. All of it paid off and honestly even any of the jokes like they all hit there wasn't a miss in any of the funny things they did to me so yeah and 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 this movie is also visually both these movies are visually stunning i think i do think that that's where the first movie edges out the second one a little bit there is way more visual set pieces in the first movie they really that's true do those establishing shots of like the dollhouse and opening it up and seeing the rooms and different plays on color palettes and all these things. Like they really set that up so much in the first movie. Don't get me wrong though. The second movie is full of like little subtle visual treats that when you watch the movie, you break down. Like Justin said, whenever, you know, Paddington gets taken to jail, what happens when you go back to the town? The lighting's a little bit dimmer. Mm-hmm. They tone, they give it a more of a bluish tint. They take away some of the warmth of the scenes. And in doing so, it adds to the dreariness that these these people in this town now has that he's gone versus the, the bright and vibrant nature and lighting they use when he's in the town. It's a, a subtle little visual thing that even if you don't catch it, you're going to feel the effects because you're watching the scene. You know, your body's yeah. still going to pick up that it's a colder scene. Mm-hmm. It's lit in a colder manner. Therefore, you know, it does register in your brain, regardless of whether or not you go, oh, they are lighting the scene differently. You're still going to get that difference. Even in jail, they do the same thing. The scenes when he first gets there and stuff like that, before he accidentally dies, the, the, the jail suits mm-hmm. pink. They are going on a more monochromatic palette until he does that. And then multiple elements in the jail get brighter colors and brighter lighting, you know, to really play off the fact that everybody's got a pale jumpsuit now Mm -hmm. or a pink jumpsuit now showing the Paddington effect. They do it with lighting effects and just color palette in scenes to show the effect he has on people's attitudes. And it's a really great subtle thing with it. And also on top of all this, Paddington looks fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. In both movies, he looks great. Yeah, yeah he does. The, the the hair, the texture, everything. He looks fucking great. And when he does that hard stare, oh, it's great too. He does the <laughs> I hard love stare. It. Oh my god! Once a movie, hard and I, stare was great. My favorite thing though was in this in this second movie. We're, we're sitting there, we're watching it, and Knuckles is being mean to poor little Paddington, and 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 Heather goes. Why isn't he doing the hard stare? He needs to do the hard stare. Fifteen seconds later, Paddington's hard staring. It's like, don't worry, he's gonna get to it. 
Paddington will do the hard it's, stare, it's guys. It's so effective, you know? You yeah. You gotta do it. But it's just really funny that it's like, Heather's like, oh, it needs to do the stare. <laughs> yep. And look, you should give the movie a second. You know, Heather was very <laughs> impatient while we were watching Paddington, too. You know, at the very end of the movie, she's like, uh, Aunt Lucy's coming, isn't she? She's going to come right here. And it's like, let the movie play out. It's only got like 10 seconds till you see it. I was very excited for Aunt Lucy to be there. Okay. It was, it was a great moment. Heather just was just impatient. She wanted everything right now. I was excited. <laughs> it was so good. You were excited for the hard stare too? Yes. It wasn't coming quick enough for you? Correct. I'm just saying. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it's those interesting notes though. But I think it's really funny. Some of the scenes are easily predictable. Like, I think it's very easy to predict Aunt Lucy's coming at the end of this movie. But it doesn't feel cheap when it happens. You know it's coming. If you were my excitement. If you were an adult, you know it's coming. Like, you know that is the logical thing they're doing with this story. Yeah. But it's still emotionally poignant when it happens. Yeah. It still hits you as if it surprised you. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the like the fantastic nature of these movies. I mean, when you watch the first one and you're going through it, it does hit familiar beats that all like movies like it go. The fish out of water children's movie. It hits all those beats. You know, they're with the family around the people that don't really like them, but they have to take care of them, but they don't know what to do. And then over time that everybody falls in love with them, except the one person, there's always the one standout that's like, no, Mm. Not this animal, you know, and then they're the, 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 the problem happens and then they're like, see, I told you we got to get rid of them. And then the character goes, oh, no, and leaves. We've seen that movie a billion times, but it's still effective in this movie right. because the, yeah. the story is built so well around it. The characters are so well acted and well written that you don't feel cheap seeing movies that you've seen before. In the skin of that movie. And my yeah. favorite thing, one of my favorite things about the sequel too, is like I said, is they don't retreat on that or retread on some of this stuff, but they also don't do a, another common thing that sequels do in this where they have another falling out. You know what I mean? Something mm-hmm. happens and he has to leave because, you know, yeah. they just can't fit together anymore or whatever, or they think they don't fit in there anymore, even though they thought it was a match. We've seen that movie a billion times. And they never do that. Yes, he does get taken away from them because he goes to jail. But it's not because there's a misunderstanding or it's a rehash of something else. No, it's because he gets taken to jail because he's framed. And then you don't even have the dad at that point where in most sequels would go, see, my first instincts were right. We should have not let Paddington into our lives. No, the whole time the dad's like, nope, we still got to save Paddington. I'm going to go put up signs. Now, he does think other members of his family are crazy with their their crackpot theories <laughs> that turn yeah. out to be right. But I also get it, too, because they're like, all these people are the same person. It's this actor. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense when you just hear it the first time. Yeah. But then as soon as they got even the tiniest bit of proof, the dad's like, yep, we called it. And that, that was a great scene, too, with the way <laughs> the, the, the wife turns to him and goes, oh, it's we. Yeah, oh, it's we. And so you're like, that's a, it's a great scene with that. And so I really like the fact that they never gave up on him. The entire second movie keeps the mentality they had towards him at the end of the first movie, which he is their family. Yeah. And at no point do they backtrack at 
all from that in the second movie. Even when Paddington thinks they did because they missed visiting day. And it's like, you understand like you as the audience. And that's one thing I love about this movie is, you know why they missed visiting day. It's because they were searching for evidence to free him. Right. Yep. But he takes it as they forgot about him because the other prisoners say that's what happens. Yeah. And your heart breaks even more for Paddington. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, no, Paddington doesn't know. Yeah. They're trying to free him. Yeah. It it was an accidental miss. You know, it wasn't because they were like, oh, man, let's have this Paddington free Saturday. No, (laughs) that day they were supposed to visit him was just nonstop Paddington. They... Everything they were doing yeah. had Paddington on their mind. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, got caught up in it because that's how important freeing him was. Right. You yeah. know, and that's a great little side story with this that you don't always get in these movies. Mm-hmm. And it's just so great. And this movie does so many things that you know was going to happen. Like he gets trapped underwater at one point and the movie pretends like they might kill him. No one in their damn right mind actually thinks they're going to kill Paddington no yeah. in one of these movies. But the way they play it off in the movie, it doesn't feel tired. It doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like, well, of course, they're going to save him. You feel emotional. You get anxious because they just haven't saved him quick enough. Yeah, it's true. You're like, why? Why are they taking so long to save them? <laughs> I know they're going to save him, but they could have saved him 30 seconds ago. Why is it still going? <laughs> It's true. You yeah. still get technically the anxiousness that is wanted out of a scene like that when they want you to think somebody might die. They still are able to achieve yeah. the same emotional notes when you know for a fact, no matter what in any universe, he's still going to live. Right. You still hit those notes with it because it's such a well-crafted, well-shot, well-acted and well-made movies. Yeah. Fuck. I love Paddington too. I mean, and the thing is, too, and it's another reason why we decided to do this episode was so many movies and TV shows and pop culture things have been referencing Paddington, too. And all it is has been just vindication for me because these deplorables over here just (laughs) refuse to watch it. I remember on one of the Facebook posts, somebody said something, but like I want to say it was Joel was like, yeah, and Paddington, too. And I'm like, yes, thank you. And Paddington, too. (laughs) And they just refused to. They still refused to. I had to sit them down and to, I had to tape them to chairs to make them watch Paddington 1. This is not true. And I, didn't have to, I didn't have to torture them to watch Paddington 2 after they watched one. They were like, okay, fine. We'll watch two. But no, it was just like pulling teeth to get them to do what is simply the moral thing to do, <laughs> which is watch the Paddington movies. Hmm. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. these Paddington movies, I think the th- the thing I like about them the most emotionally speaking is like they make me feel like I did when I was a child watching something like Mr. Rogers or like how I felt as an adult watching Tom Hanks play Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. it's just it's that genuine wholesomeness mm-hmm. that is just a great thing that is also missing. I am one of the most pessimistic and jaded motherfuckers you'll ever come across in the history of ever. And I still just, there's something about the wholesomeness of Paddington that is infectious in a way. 
I mean, Paddington is the movie equivalent of the corn song from TikTok. <laughs> That's, that is a great call. Yeah, it's wholesome. Yeah. It's infectious and just great. Like I can't hear that song. I can't, I can't think of corn. I can't just sit there and go a day right now without thinking <laughs> it's corn. It's got the juice. <laughs> and when I do, it just brightens my day a little bit. Yeah. You know, like I did, I put that status on Facebook and I, th- I personally think it's one of the greatest statuses I've ever put on the history of Facebook. When I said my life has been utterly and completely consumed by the corn song. And I will say my life is pretty good right now <laughs> because of that. Yeah. It's just, and like, especially if you've actually seen the interview that the corn song gets its stuff from, it's just even that much more wholesome. It's just this little boy talking about how much he loves corn. And I'm sitting here thinking, I wish somebody loved me as much as he loves corn. (laughs) That is unconditional love on a level that I think I've only experienced as me towards my cats. I don't even think my cats feel the same way about me that this little boy feels about corn, but I feel that way about them. I love them unconditionally, except I don't know. I don't think that little boy would get mad at corn. I do get mad at my cats. My cats do drive me nuts. Every once in a while, but. So essentially Paddington's corn is marmalade. It really is. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> and his family. His corn is also his That's family. That's true. That's true. It's the Browns and Aunt Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's how good he is. He's got so many corns. That's, yeah, that's a good point. But his juice is marmalade. Marmalade is what his has the juice. corn is the browns and Aunt Lucy, and his juice is the marmalade. That's good. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Because Lucy and the browns, they have the marmalade. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they have the marmalade. They do. And that yeah. means Paddington is everyone else's juice because he has their marmalade. I love the direction this took right now, guys. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> also, did anybody talk about like how full circle in the first movie that fucking pigeon joke was like oh, specifically no, that's great, the though. pigeon joke itself. That was great. Mm-hmm. Like, and I love how it's the climax of the movie. And I love once again, nobody went Paddington. How did you know throwing the sandwich would get the pigeons to attack yeah, him? You didn't have to ask. And he's like, Oh, I noticed that the pigeons like my marmalade sandwich. No, they just have that subtle joke throughout the whole movie. When he takes like that one little corner of the marmalade sandwich gives it to the pigeon, then there's just a billion pigeons. And any time the rest of the movie, he pulls that sandwich out, there's pigeons, as if by some unholy magic, they are summoned (laughs) to take away his marmalade sandwich from him. And he's also just so (laughs) caring, even about these pigeons, to where he doesn't want to give them the marmalade sandwich. So what he does is goes, well, I don't want to give it to him. I guess I just won't eat it then because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be mean and eat it in front of them when I won't give it to them. Right. I just won't eat it then. Yeah. He's just that nice. Yeah. And that's also, that's a great little scene too. When he's in that, that, uh, that room with the Royal guard in that little stand. I love that scene. And he, he, he's like, fine, I won't eat my marmalade sandwich. Yeah. And the guard just pulls out a sandwich and then pulls out like a little desserts tray and a thermos of beverage. That's just all under his, royal hat i loved that that was a fantastic scene (laughs) and so sweet you know he was sweet too yeah 
but I just love it because that like another scene that's the one, and it's just it's so fucking cool. And then at just the end of the movie when he's just like, oh yeah, fuck this Nicole Kidman woman, I might murder her with a marmalade sandwich. And I'm like, you know what? Get it, Paddington. Murder Nicole Kidman with a marmalade sandwich. It's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Why you gotta hate on Nicole Kidman, man? Because she was trying that. to murder the baby bear, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but but another cool thing about that scene, though, with Nicole Kidman and when he uh, threw the bread because he knew that the bird, they were on top of the building, he threw the bread because he knew the birds might be able to stop her. But what was also cool about that was that the birds didn't stop her. You know, she's teetering on the edge of that uh, building. But then, ironically, it was Mrs. Bird, mm-hmm. the nanny, that knocked her over. So it was still a bird, but it was Mrs. Bird. Like, that's just the little stuff like that are just things where, like, still the joke came around, but then in an ironic sort of way, it was a bird, but it was Mrs. Bird. That's just that's the kind of stuff. That's quality joke. Yeah, yeah, that's joke. That's the joke writing. And that's just quality Mm -hmm. storytelling stuff that you just don't find in a lot of stuff. Or, you know, in a lesser movie, they might have one or two sort of hits like that. But for lack of a better term, Paddington just bullseyes a lot of those things. It does. It has so many that it just and it just hits the mark every time. It's like that comedian where he had that one show where just every joke just hit. And it's like one of those iconic comedic performances that's sort of what this was like it was just a movie where each one of those storytelling um scenes each one of those storytelling elements they all just hit they did there were like no misses and so it just winds up being memorable to you and 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 an enjoyable experience I mean, it really is like the one-liners, like even just the quick one-liners, like one of the best parts of it that made me laugh so hard was um, Mr. Brown when he was like, what did he say? He said something like, this is my um, looking away face or walking away face. What did he say? Yeah, this is my looking away face. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. It was so like (laughs) random and just a real quick, it's, they have these very quick one-liner moments or like quick one action moments that you're just like, what? Like even when Nicole Kidman is like trying to answer the phone and then she picks up like a part of an animal that she has like taxidermied, like you just like these random, like very subtle little things that you don't pick up on, like that you might not pick up on right away. Like, but it's so well done. Um, and honestly, I think one of my favorite parts of this, both movies, but specifically the first one is, Mr. Brown's story and his whole full circle thing of like how he just didn't even want to have anything to do with Paddington whatsoever. And then they get into some shenanigans together, you know, and then at the end of it, he's a completely different person. He's the, he's the fun loving guy that he was before he became a dad and just how Paddington brought that out of him. And that whole transformation was so great to see. And it just makes, Mr. Brown, such a likable character. And then I love kind of like what you were saying, Sterling, like him carrying on that mentality and that relationship that Mr. Brown and Paddington have into the second movie and where he's just like, 
you know, he's like one of their own. He's one of their kids almost. And just kind of feels like he, he's going to do whatever he can to protect. And he learned his lesson from the first one, like you said, and he's not, he's not like Paddington. Why are you a liar still? And what, like, he's just, he's just kind of like, no, we just need to help him. You know, he's, he's, he's part of our family. And I loved that you, you just get to see how Mr. Brown is still learning from Paddington in a way, um, even throughout the second film. And it, it's just, it's just so great. Like I, I love his whole arc in, in the show or in the movie. And with that too, though, like one of my favorite little jokes slash callbacks in the first movie also, besides the pigeon one is that, you know, Mrs. Brown is doing all her, her adventure story illustrations, but she can't think of her hero. And when Mr. Brown starts being the adventurous and crazy Mr. Brown that he used to be, and he just gives her that, that kiss in front of everybody yeah, to go save Paddington. And then just that little thing where she does that olive oil, my hero. And then it goes to that painting that she drew earlier with the question mark. And it's just a, now a charcoal painting or whatever of his face instead. Yeah. That's <laughs> that such a great. great little thing. Yeah. All those transition um, illustrations and like artistic things they did were amazing. Um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like the, the dollhouse and just when they're, you know, even like dreams that Paddington has of seeing aunt Lucy and just the little illustrated people that they show throughout to kind of contrast. It's so, so beautiful. Like everything, it's so cool looking everything that they do with that. Well, and it's, it's, it's the whole like pop-up book thing too. Yeah. Whenever they do that, like I like how a lot of the animation that when they do it, do it in this movie is reminiscent of old illustrations from books. Like the way they would do illustrations in kids' books, especially like back in the day, it really felt like that. It felt like those charcoal painting or a pencil drawing like illustration style Mm -hmm. that was very common in children's books back then. Where, you know, where you just get a picture every like chapter or whatever or something like that. Like it was very much playing off those types of things. And I really loved that they did that several times in these movies. Yeah. You know, when they're doing the pop-up book stuff and he's envisioning going with Aunt Lucy all throughout London and that it very much has that style. And then when you look at Miss Brown's drawings in the first movie, it's that style. Yeah. Like, it's just cool. Which is a nice little nod to just the Paddington books. Does it matter if you get that reference or not? No. No. Does not affect your enjoyment of the movie either way because it's visually stunning. Mm. But if you do get the reference, it's just an added little bonus. Even better. Yeah. You know, it's Mm. just like a nice little treat that you get because you're like, oh, old books. Yep. Yeah. And another element of that visual storytelling is that that is like filming 101 is is one of the things that you learn about when you're just learning techniques of filming is that you want to try to do different things with the camera you want to shoot something from different angles you want to kind of visually not make it so monotone for your audience of what you're seeing you don't want them to see the same thing too many times or the same angle too many times. You want to find different ways to kind of tell the story with your camera. And I think one of the effective things about this is that they just found a way 
they 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 never shot any scene blandly or the same. It, it was like yeah. you never saw the same thing. Like okay, Paddington is watching um, the video of the explorer that visited his his family in the wilderness for the first time. Well, instead of him, of course, you could have saved some money and saved some time by just having Paddington sit there and we're just watching the video the whole time. And we could have just done it that way. Yeah. But what this does is the the scene suddenly, you know, he's standing there watching the video, but then suddenly you see him sort of go through the projection on the wall. And now suddenly we are back in the wheel that literally we, we're watching him be back into the wilderness. And at first it was black and white, but now it's full color and yeah. he's living and, he, and he's like living the memory. Now we're living the memory. We're not just seeing it like that may be like a simple thing, but this movie does that constantly or even when it's summing up something or it goes into narration. I even mentioned as we were watching the first one, I think I was like, it's doing some Wes Anderson yeah. filmmaking techniques where it shoots from um, like a panned out view and it's very picturesque and we're doing narration and we're moving from room to room like it's a dollhouse seeing these things happen yeah. as we're telling the story. And, and what I described is just one scene. That's not the style of the movie. That's not it. It doesn't do that all the time. That was just for that particular part, for that particular narration, we're going to do Wes Anderson. Yeah. Then for this part, we're going to go inside the hologram. And now we're in a we're literally in a memory or maybe for this scene where we're going to shoot it from all these different crazy angles outside of the house, but it's going to look like a dollhouse and we're going to go to different floors in a tracking shot, showing you what each family member is doing and how they're growing. That's the effectiveness of this. Of feel, that's just effective filmmaking. Like, and to me, it, it kept things interesting because I never felt like I was seeing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So even though the story is just moving along and it's a simple story and, a, and in some ways a predictable story, it was never told visually in a predictable way. And I think that that's something that should be complimented about this. Like it doesn't reinvent the wheel in any way, but it just effectively builds that same familiar wheel that you've seen time and time again, but it does it in such an effective way that it felt fresh, you know, I I couldn't say that this is like, like Paddington, like this style of movie is a Paddington style movie because it mixed so many damn things like in the mixing, in the juxtaposition of all those techniques, that is what it is. It kind of became its own style because of that, you know? So that was just something I really noticed about both films. And with some of that too, one of the things I thought that was kind of really subtle and cool in the second movie, every time they go to the jail, it's a little bit different every time the way they shoot the outside of the jail. Cause mm-hmm. they always go to the front jail 
So sometimes they do it almost like the, the, the dollhouse kind of perspective. Sometimes it looks more of like a paper aesthetic. Mm. Like they just, yep. they manipulated it little bits and change little things about it every time. Like actually once they never make it look like positive on the outside. Cause it is jail. Yeah. But they do soften some of the harsher edges and some of the shadows on it, showing the Paddington effect in it, just like little subtle tweaks to it visually speaking yeah. to where, like you said, Justin, they're not really doing it the same way twice. Yeah. They're manipulating it a little bit differently every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and one of the things too, that like I really loved about Paddington is his red eyes because they are so expressive. Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the special effects on her are so great because they're just little times where, there's slight imperfections in them, which then in turn makes it feel more real. Mm-hmm. You know, when things are too perfect and too flawless, that's when your brain won't accept it. Cause you're like, there needs to be some imperfections. Yeah. Cause no living thing is like that perfectly manicured with that stuff. Like, and there was just always slight imperfections. Maybe this hair, like maybe like there are times where, one eye would be a little bit more closed than the other stuff like that. There's just like little things like that mm. that just kind of add personality. Yeah. That a lot of other things wouldn't always, you know, take that into account. They'd just be like, no, make it look flawless the whole movie. Yeah. Plus there are so many like little just visual gags just throughout the whole movie. Like one of my favorite ones, and I didn't notice it in the first movie until this watch. And I'm so pissed that I didn't notice it. It's whenever he's standing in the train station, he's in front of the lost and found, but the sign's broken, only lost is lit up, you know. And then as soon as Miss Brown is like, hey, you know, what's your story? How can I help you? All this other stuff. Yeah. Then the found light kicks on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really dig it because now it's saying lost and found. It's, you know, it's, you know, he was lost. Now he's found. And it's just a subtle little thing. It's just a visual like little ding. Yep. Here's this. That's cool. And it's just it. And it's, is it a lot? No. Does it really affect the movie if you don't see it? No. Right. But if you do notice it, you're just like, oh, that's a cool little thing they did there. Yeah. It's a nice little treat they added to it all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Honestly, and I I do have to say, I don't know why, but this is probably one of my favorite performances of Hugh Grant's. (laughs) I just, I think he just nailed being the villain in the second movie and he was just so entertaining and so extravagant and so extra with like everything that he did. And it was so much fun to watch. So I think he was an excellent villain for the second movie, especially in keeping with the tone that they were trying to have with that second movie. I think he did a phenomenal job with it. And he was just so silly and dramatic. And um, it was just he did it so well. He really did. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Like I said earlier, Hugh Grant was just leaps and bounds better than the terrible evil woman that Nicole Kidman was. Oh, come on. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I'm just saying, Justin. Maybe maybe, maybe, How, maybe a leap. I don't know about the bound, though. What I mean, if, maybe just a leap. You know? you know, I think you should sit here and I think you should admit that the reason why you are okay with Nicole Kidman <laughs> wanting to murder a innocent and sweet little bear cub is just because you are racist against bears. (laughs) 
Or maybe I just love Nicole Kidman. It's 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 one or the other. He was defending her throughout this whole movie. He really was. You she, know, she was great too. But I will <laughs> give it to you. Hugh Grant was a, a better villain when you look at the two. He was exactly what the sequel villain needs to be. Yeah, he was a little. It was a little bit more entertaining. He was a little bit more flamboyant. He was a little bit um, larger in scale. You know what I mean? What he was doing seemed to have. Um, seemed to be a little more consequential to what everybody else was doing. Like it hit on all of those notes. And that's not to say Nicole Kidman was bad though. Like I did like Nicole Kidman's villain character. It was very much like a Cruella DeVille meets um, Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) <laughs> she wanted uh, to kill and stuff him but but yeah but, but okay maybe but i don't know about animal but that's that might be a bit much but i definitely saw some cruella in her yeah. you know with the manip- with the manipulation and obsessed with this animal and stuff like that but then when you find out why when you find out what her motivation was i was like huh i kind of like how they did that the whole thing about her father was the explorer that visited mm. um, Paddington's family, and he was a good man. But because he was such a good man and because he didn't want the other explorers to go there and hunt down Paddington's family and stuff like that, he sort of sacrificed his status as a, an explorer. And, you know, being the daughter, Nicole Kidman being the daughter, they weren't as rich or they weren't as privileged because of that. And that turned her evil. So it was like this almost ironic thing of like Mm. the good father and his good naturedness and everything like that sort of ironically produced an evil daughter. I liked the irony of that. Yeah, that was great. And I may, and maybe I wish more time had been spent with that. Like it, it was one of those ideas where maybe the movie didn't do it as effective, but when you think about it, that's like a cool concept for a villain. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, but in theory, it is. I I just don't know if the movie effectively got all that across because we find that out at the end. So there was a time left to develop it it was like oh that's why she's doing this and i liked it but that was all i could do was like it hugh grant though there are these brilliant scenes where he's talking to all of these mannequins and it's all these characters that he's played before but it's almost like all these characters sort of exist to him and so he's revealing this plot and revealing this plan through these mannequins that he's talking to that was great. Since he's an actor, there are all these scenes where he's in these disguises and he's manipulating characters and he's tricking characters and things like that. And like you said, Hugh Grant brought such a flair and such a swagger and such a, like like you said, he was so extra <laughs> in this. He brought just a flamboyance yeah. to it that he just stands out more than the Nicole Kidman character in a lot of ways. Well, I think also to the point that you made earlier too, like having a different type of villain with a different personality and a different motivation, again, keeps the movie fresh. And it's not the same movie as the first one for that reason either. You have a different villain. You're telling a different story. You have a different motivation here. And that is also a very smart move to make. 
So, yeah. And with that too, uh, one of my favorite jokes in the second movie is when Miss Bird is sitting there and they're like, it can't be Phoenix Buchanan. He's such a famous actor. He could never do that. And Miss Bird's like, actors are the most evil and diabolical (laughs) people to exist. (laughs) They lie for a living. And just the way she's delivering it, because she's kind of doing that overacting, chewing up a scene dialogue thing. Yeah. But it's utterly fantastic Mm because she's talking about who she is as a person in like real life. It's like a little meta thing. It's a joke that kids won't necessarily get the irony of. Some might, but most won't. So that's a joke that hits more for adults than that. But it's also this little wholesome joke that no one's going to get offended if their kid knows also. You know, this movie is just so fantastic with, for a while, there was that weird, awkward trend that in order for a family movie to entertain kids and adults, you know, they would have to just do normal kid movie silly bullshit. But then they would also have to put in the most sexually oriented jokes ever that would just go over kids heads Mm -hmm. and it's just awkward like it's really awkward when you're watching a madagascar or a shrek or something like the first shrek when they're like hey hey do you think this guy's compensating for anything with this castle right do you get it he's short and it's big yeah maybe he has a small dick like that's literally like the one thing they're not saying (laughs) is like i wonder if his dick is small has small dick like they're just borderline that the whole time. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, we get it. You yeah. know, no, don't get me wrong. There are some really funny jokes that are more adult oriented that are very subtle. Like I think in the second movie, whenever they're getting arrested by all the knights, and they grab puss in boots and they like grab a bag out of his boots and they're like, Oh, is this catnip? And he's like, Oh, it's not mine. I was just, I was just holding it for a friend more or less yeah. making a weed bust joke. It's a funny joke. It's a nice yeah. little funny joke because it's also not about, they're not like pulling out something like, Oh, are you going to go fuck a bunch of female cats right now? Right. Like, it's just a weird thing. And then you've got like Madagascar where they're making American beauty references in that movie. They've got this, this lion looking at this other thing. Like Kevin Spacey was looking at what's her name's character in that movie when he wants to, you know, to fuck the underage child yeah. and they go, yep. Let's make that reference in this kid's movie. Yeah, that is There's weird. There's not enough references back to, you know, statutory rape and grooming in this movie. We need more of that, but with animals. Yeah. Like, it's just so awkward. And they just don't ever do that in these movies. They don't try to. Correct. There might be jokes kids don't get, but it's not because it's just so inappropriate for a child they don't know it. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, something kids wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's a nice little joke. It ages well. That joke's not going to be inappropriate 10 years from now. It's going to still be as effective and funny then. It's just a nice solid joke that works anytime, anywhere for anybody of all ages. And it's great. It's like the story just knew what it wanted to be. It knew the type of humor it wanted to have. It just, it did its own thing. It stayed in its own lane in the, in the sense of like, it wasn't trying to cater specifically to any group. And therefore it it's for all groups, if that makes sense. <laughs> like it, it was just a weird, it did the opposite thing of what the new Lightyear movie did. I think because the new Lightyear movie has that problem where you don't know who their audience is and it feels lost and confused because you don't know who it's for this one. It's for everybody because they're not trying to cater only to one group 
You can yeah, argue I mean, that with a lot of movies recently, though, too. Yeah. I don't think Thor knew what the fuck it like who it <laughs> wanted to be for. Like you said, Lightyear didn't know who it wanted to be made for. So many movies lately don't know who the fuck they're being made for. Yeah. You know? But, but this one didn't feel lost in that way, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I do want to ask this, so I need this on record. Justin, Justin, will you at least admit, admit no matter what, hands down, unequivocally so, that when it comes to a movie that features a bear as the main character and a movie that features an albatross as a main character, that this is a win for the bears. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the rescuers. Okay. Is, is a pretty good movie. Is he the main character? Uh, exactly. Next question. <laughs> I'm just saying, Justin, he's not the main character. <laughs> I'm just saying when it comes to main characters, I'm not saying you have to say the rescuers, or isn't it technically the rescuers down yeah, under? I guess it would be yeah, down under. Down under. You don't have to say that the rescuers down under is worse than the, the Paddington movies, <laughs> even though you know it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I'm just I'm saying. I'm kind of guessing. I mean, I know. Yeah, you can have the win here. Godly. I'm just saying. <laughs> that that's the, for at least for right now, in any foreseeable future. I don't see an albatross movie coming out that's going to beat Paddington too. I'm just saying. We'll see. (laughs) That's why I'm saying for now, you know, 37 years from now, there could be the you know the Paddington or something, the Paddington reboot with an albatross. Hey, you know, (laughs) coming from I don't know lightest Russia. I don't know, just somewhere different than the darkest Peru. Um, (laughs) But yeah. I just want I just want that on record, Justin, that this is right now unequivocally something that can't be argued against. That the Bears at least have the genre of family movies. Yeah, you can have it. All right, all right, <laughs> you'll take it. And uh, just to shout out to everybody else out there, just so everybody knows, uh, Paddington Three is in the works. Yay! So that's exciting. We are going to get a Paddington Three. I just want to throw that out there, just in case anybody didn't know. Yeah. But do you guys have anything else you want to say about the Paddington movies? They're lovely. Watch them. You will not regret it. No, I'm good. I think we've said it all. I mean, they're they're definitely worth watching. I feel like a madman that's been screaming from the mountaintop for years that finally (laughs) everybody's going, damn, we should have listened to the crazy mountain man. (laughs) I'm I'm the soothsayer on the corner. Everybody thinks is doing doomsday prophecies and then the apocalypse happens. I'm just saying, maybe you should have listened. <laughs> you guys could have had years of Paddington glory already yeah. as a part of your lives. You're right. I'm just saying. You're right. Just saying. All right, Justin. No, not yet. Never mind. <laughs> Don't hit that button yet. <laughs> I'm fucking up. See, y'all's tomfoolery earlier. <laughs> has fucked up the procedures and methods of operation for this podcast. We're sorry, everybody. Yeah. Huh? Come on, anyway, man, just get it together. Man. On get it together. that note. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the cinema slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Quit fucking laughing while I'm doing the outro. Uh, cinema slayers podcast on Facebook. We're some underscore slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Cinema slayers pod on uh, TikTok. Uh, Search for Cinema Slayers on that YouTube. 
tomorrow. I know it's a little late. This was, but uh, so last week, by the time you hear this last week, Justin wrestled in Chicago for black wrestlers matter. He either won or lost the match. We don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that was last week. So say congrats or better luck next time. Whatever the outcome of it was, just let him know whenever you see this. Um, you know, we were glad to be sponsors of it. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm just going to say that now without having it, uh, having experienced it yet, I'm going to make the bold claim. It's going to be a great show. Yeah. Uh, or it was a great show because it already happened at this point. Yes. Uh, of the listening time. Um, if it's a five-star rating or review, we'd really appreciate it. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, click the notification bell on YouTube. Click the like button on YouTube. Um, Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because mothers love Paddington. No, no. Marmalade. Yes. Marmalade. Marmalade. (sighs) Yeah. You have to. I mean, that's the thing. Just saying everybody loved the marmalade. That's what wins. That's what wins over Paddington to these people. You're right. You know, Knuckles didn't like Paddington. But Knuckles liked marmalade, and then yeah. therefore, yeah, it's the it's the chain, right? Um, shout out to Mundo Ochoa and Plug Me Go for our logos and theme songs, respectively. And you know, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. DJ Justin, what the fuck was that? So I, I I will say this: I do have a I do have a correction to make. From a few podcasts ago. Because I'm not above reproach. I made a mistake. I made a big mistake. I don't know why, for whatever reason, I thought the first Predator was made in 1982. It was not at all. It was made in 1987. I don't know why in my head, the number 1982 was stuck in my head for that movie. And I was wrong. And I'm sorry to anybody out there that, you know, was thrown off by the fact that I said 1982. Or thought less of me because I didn't know the obvious date of 1987. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not above correcting myself when I'm wrong. It's one of the few things I'm wrong about. Because I sure as fuck was right about the visit and Kroll <laughs> oh God. and Paddington too. How do we? Too. How do we get I get to this? add that to this list. I was right about Paddington, Paddington too. Is a yes and Kroll sure. and the visit. <laughs> you guys wrong about the rest. But I was wrong about the date. I really, I, I did. I fucked that up. Whole five years off. That's a big difference. So, 1987. My bad, guys. I meant to actually say that last week. But I was in such a bad mood because we were talking about that boring-ass Beast movie. <laughs> waste of Idris Elba. A waste of lions. That too. And I'm not even pro-lion. I am pro-hyena. If anything, yeah. I am anti-lion. And right. I still think it was a waste of lions. That's how much they missed the mark. Yeah. So. All right, guys. We're out. All of us. Because we're all together. So it's not even just an I'm out. We're out. We're out. We're out. <laughs>